sections. We'll read verses 12 through 14 and then jump uh, to verse 20 uh, through verse 25. Welcome, welcome to every one of you. Um, A beautiful, little on the chilly side, um, but a, a sunny day. And I am glad that every single one of you are here. Chuck and Jan, my brother and sister, thank you for um, listening to the Lord's call in your life. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but they're not kids, okay? And, And yet, they're choosing to use the retirement years, a time that many just kind of like pad themselves into coziness, and just say, here, here, Lord, here's the little bit that we have. They sold a beautiful home right here, tucked into the woods of Central PA, and, and moving down to Belize to serve. And I am so proud of you. Um, in the second service, if you want to come back, I'm sure that you do. Uh, the elders will be praying, laying hands as, as the Holy Spirit uh, sends them out. Um, you be assured of our love and our prayers. So proud, so proud. We are called to go. We are called to send. Okay, not everyone is called to go. We're called to go or send. The only other option is disobey. So which category here, going or sending, are you presently in? An amazing text, I call it all leaves but no fruit. May God guard us from that. First and foremost, we need to pray and ask that God would just use this time in our hearts um, as he speaks to us through his word. Would you bow your heads, please, and pray with me? Father, as we come now into your presence, we are in awe. We are all struck with the beauty of this day, watching the sun rise Father, we thank you for your creative design. We thank you, Lord, that in your grace and your mercies that are new every day, you've blessed us with um, one more day. Father, may we not in any way think about, okay, we came to church and we check it off, we cross off another day, but Lord, may this day be unique and distinct from other days in a day that we have heard from you and that you have spoken to our hearts and that our spirit is awakened. Lord, to see how we can arrange our lives to be more conformed to the image of Jesus. Father, we have been um, given an amazing message of truth in the good news of the gospel. Pray, Lord, that we would live according to it and we would shout it from the rooftops in this short time that we have here on earth. Lord, I I just thank you for this church. I'm just so in love with what you're doing in and through the lives of many people here. Lord, I'm just in need of you. And I would pray, Lord, that you would guard my mind and my mouth. Uh, Lord, may every part of this message from you lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. And Lord, willing, Lord, may it build up and edify 
my dear brothers and sisters. And Lord, if there's people here or people that hear this message that do not have the hope of the gospel, that they would come today to accept the truth that we can be rescued from our sinful wretchedness and be saved and be adopted into your family as your own children. Father, may you speak and may we hear. Give us the strength to be obedient. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, um, I count it. It has been over uh, 40 weeks, 40 plus weeks. Caleb, congratulations, my little brother, on a really neat, full, cool day yesterday. Use it for his glory. Um, That's off track. Here we go. 40 plus weeks we have been journeying with Jesus in his ministry on mission through the gospel of Mark, what I call Mark for a mission. Um, Jesus, I think it's pretty obvious to, to, to see and to sense, he has been very gracious. Jesus in his ministry has been very gentle. He has been kind. He has been patient, uplifting others, encouraging others. Jesus heals, Jesus provides, Jesus makes whole and he makes strong. Uh, Jesus makes things complete. Uh, We saw that he makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, the hungry are fed, the storm is calmed. And there's this amazing, gracious ministry of Jesus, except today. Today is what we have the only destructive miracle that Jesus does while he is on earth. Miracle. Okay, make note of that. Now, now we know these events take place on a Monday. And I don't think it's just because Jesus is having a bad Monday. But, but you will sense that they have a bit of a, of a bite to them. For it is here that we see Jesus for all he is. He cannot look upon sin. The corruption that he sees in the temple, as we saw last week, uh, will not go unaddressed. Sin, understand this, in the eyes of Jesus will not go unseen. Do you realize that he sees and knows everything? We understand here what? That today we get a glimpse of the holiness of God balanced with the justice of God. I told you that our text is broken into two portions. Uh, Mark, in a sense, is writing with what I call a split-screen approach. And there's a clear connection between what we saw and learned last week with what, in verses 15 through 19, the cleansing of the temple, a connection with our text this week in verses 12 through 14 and 20 through 25 of the cursing of the fig tree. Both of these deal with what I call faulty worship. Both deal with false religion. And so Jesus, when he senses this, okay, displays what? A righteous indignation. We saw that a right anger or a holy fury as he tips over the tables and scatters what? All the cages and the, just the corruption that he saw. 
the temple had been a place, what? This was in the court of the Gentiles, a place where everyone can hear the good news. Redemption is offered. And yet the temple priests had turned it into just this, this, this circus of corruption. Jesus would not stand for it. Today we get, in a sense, the same idea with this lesson of a fig tree. Jesus is serious when it comes to what I call the fruitlessness of dead religion. Okay, let let, let me me make it very, very clear this morning. Jesus is not concerned. God is not concerned with what I call, in a sense, pretty religion posturing. Let's just pretty ourselves up and make it look like we're really, really, really righteous and and we're really holy. God is not concerned about that, not in the least. God desires authentic. God desires what? Fresh, sincere, passionate, productive ministry for His glory and the work of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, here's our text. Mark chapter 11, we'll read verses 12 through 14, then skip down and read verses 20 through 25. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it, was not, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Down to verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Whenever you stand praying, praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also is, who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Three pretty clear lessons we take directly from the text. Number one, Jesus curses a fig tree. We see this in verses 12 through 14. Jesus curses a fig tree. Okay, we have to kind of set the scene a little bit. We know that Jesus has recently ridden into Jerusalem atop a young donkey, perfectly fulfilled according to Scripture, Zechariah 9, verse 9. Many people were crying out, Hosanna, which translates, save, please. They know, they recognize they're in need of being saved, and they recognize that Jesus is the only one who can save them. That was earlier on Sunday. Later that day, it says that he went to the temple and he looked around at everything. And we know that it was very late. 
And so he and his 12 disciples have retired to Bethany. We do not know for sure, but he probably went to the house of of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus who lived in Bethany. He spent a lot of time there. So now at this moment, it is what? It is Monday morning. I can imagine that Jesus was probably up very, very early. That was his custom, his habit. He woke up very early to spend time in prayer. And there was probably no time for breakfast. I thought for a moment, wait a minute, he's at the home of of Martha. Is Martha off her game? Actually, I was thinking, Martha had already been rebuked. She's probably on her game. Thus the reason there's no breakfast served. We don't know. Perhaps just a side note here. It's early. Jesus is anxious to get to the temple, the scene the night before. It just disturbed him. It was very heavy on his heart. And so he heads out with his disciples. It's a short walk, less than two miles. He is en route to the temple. Instead of hitting the drive-thru that you think would probably be the, the, the norm, what does it say in verse 12? He was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. Now, I have to admit, as I'm looking at examining, studying this subject of figs, I am not personally, I'm not a big fig fan. You ever had a fig before? Have you ever, probably the closest, that have you ever had a fig Newton before? I think it's kind of self-explanatory right there. They claim, they claim that it's a cookie. And it does, it is found, it kind of resides in the cookie aisle of the grocery store. Key word is reside. They tend to stay there. Fig Newton cannot come near to the power of an Oreo. But fig trees, but figs, especially in ancient times, not only were they a staple, but because they have a sweetness to them, they're actually a bit of a treat. They're a favorite. They are often used to enhance the meal of many, and they are rich in nutrients. Uh, they, They were, and they still are, a very valuable and popular part of the Middle Eastern diet. Now, fig trees, particularly in this particular part of Israel, according to Numbers 13, Deuteronomy chapter 8, we even see this in the Old Testament, fig trees are in abundance throughout Israel. Jesus sees a tree and what? He knows there should be something that offers some sustenance for him to give him some some nutrients, some energy to continue on. And it says this rather interesting in verse 13 by way of a quote. He found nothing but leaves. A fig tree without figs. Think about that for a moment. What is the use of a fig tree with no figs? Every um, Monday morning, just schedule, I am now able to spend, and I I spend the whole Monday morning with uh, my dear grandson, Baby Boat. It is just a delight and a joy um, and a highlight of my 
entire week, to tell you the truth, my day off. And uh, it had been warm, as you know, the last, last week, last Monday. And so I had talked to Sarah. I said, hey, honey, why don't you um, bring the baby stroller and, and I can take Bo for a walk. We'll go out. And so sure enough, she brings him over quite early in the morning. She, she gave me the baby stroller, she, and it was all wrapped up. It was still like in a bag. She, she hadn't used it before, and she said, oh, yeah, by the way, here's the baby stroller. The problem is, is that there's no wheels on the baby stroller. You have, to, you, you have to build it. You have to put it together. And you know, she knows me. I said, honey, you know, okay? Your, your dad cannot, cannot land fighter jets on an aircraft carrier and he cannot put wheels and build baby strollers that's i made it very very clear i just i sorry i i don't know how to do that think about this for a moment hey hope you have a great walk here's a baby stroller with no wheels about as much sense as a fig tree without figs right no figs, no fruits. And yet it makes this comment here in verse 13. It's rather peculiar for it was not the season for figs. We have a little bit of an explanation. I thought, well, Jesus, I'm sorry, this, this whole Monday thing is not looking good for you. This just does not seem fair. L- let, me, let me make something very, very certain. Jesus is always fair. Jesus is always just. There's something here. I did my homework this week. I did my research. And so we can kind of pause and we're going to get a little lesson here on horticulture. And I I did check, okay, on on fig trees and the growth. I even checked with our own Dr. Gray, who just happens to have fig trees in his very backyard, his own backyard. But there's a big difference, I also learned, between the Chicago hardies that, that the grays grow in central Pennsylvania and the figs that grow in this what? In this Mediterranean slash arid climates of Israel. Hot, dry summers, cool, rainy winters. So, so here's our lesson for us by way of how figs grow, when figs grow, when fruit is produced. Listen very carefully. It's interesting to know that when a fig tree produces fruit, the fruit comes before or comes first and the leaves come second. Now you're like, wait a minute. Now how does that happen? There's an explanation for it is because the unripe fruit of the autumn prior oftentimes survives the winter and ripens when vegetation revives in the springtime. Fig trees which have retained their leaves through the winter usually have some of last year's figs on them. Although uh, what fruit can appear in spring before the leaves open because they were the unripe fruit of the previous Autumn. Now think about the time frame. When is this taking place? It's Passover. It's this time of the year. It's what? It's, it's March, April. There should have been small fruits, little small figs. Some would describe them as nodules. They're not fully mature, but they are clearly edible. They can clearly give you some nutrition and some sustenance continue on. And you'll... 
Old Testament, Hosea chapter 9 and verse 10, Hosea chapter 28 and verse 4, even talks about the fact that you can eat figs in the early season or before they're fully grown. Jesus sees the leaves and it is right to expect that there should be some fruit. But when Jesus gets close, it is what? It is no good. It is no go. He says these words. In a sense, he's speaking to an inanimate object. Jesus is speaking to a tree. And he says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Wow. Like things went bad through autumn or things went bad through winter. And Jesus seems unusually Harsh here, pretty strong reaction. People have questioned, people have read and written extensively here on why is it that Jesus is so strict? Is he just being spiteful in a sense? It's a bad day, Monday morning. He's ticked because of what's going to be found in the temple. Now people would say what? Jesus was being cynical or just callous in his use of power. Or else what? Or else Jesus' view of spiritual fruitlessness is something that he views very, very serious. And I believe it's the latter. That this fig tree here is a picture of something that there is <clears throat> a lesson that needs to be learned, which brings us to number two. Jesus teaches a lesson about the fig tree, verses 20 through 25. Again, split screen. We know that he goes to the temple. And we know that as they pick up later on in verses 20 through 25, it says when they walked by it again, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered. I love Peter. You know that. Finally, he remembers something. Finally, Peter gets it right. He says, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Matthew chapter 21 records the event, and the fig tree withered at once. So, so did they witness it? Were they amazed that it had still withered? Peter and his observation is bang on, and so Jesus paused and he teaches. And even the lesson, the topic, the subject seems a bit off. It, it, it seems a little, <clears throat> excuse me, amiss. The subject clearly has been about authentic worship or the fruitlessness of dead religion. And Jesus teaches, he touches on what? A twofold subject here. He teaches about number one, faith, and number two, forgiveness. In a sense, summarized in verse 22, have faith in God. And the second part is what? Verse 25, forgive so that your father in heaven may forgive you. And like, okay, we get it. But what, what do those words have to do with a fig tree? It's a great question. I'm glad that you asked that question. Understand this, the, the fig tree is a New Testament symbol or figure or image of the nation Israel. Jesus uses this example himself. 
Now, now think again. This is Passion Week. Sunday he rides in Hosanna, Hosanna. Monday, what, curses the fig tree, cleanses the temple. <clears throat> if you could kind of think with me just for a moment, the very next day on Tuesday of that Passion Week, Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and they came to him, it says, privately, and they asked him some questions. Jesus has been teaching on the destruction of the temple. Jesus has been teaching, Matthew chapter 24 is a, is a challenging chapter to understand and interpret. Jesus has also been teaching on the abomination of desolation. And, and the disciples asked this, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, this will be the very next day. <clears throat> they asked, tell us when will all of these things come? When, when will they be? And what shall be the sign of your coming? at the end of your age. And what Jesus does, he responds in a long message. It's referred to as the Olivet Discourse. And part of that, I want you to turn to, and I want you to read, because it is what is referred to as the lesson of the fig tree. So the next day, in a sense, there's teaching moments on this very subject that you and I have got to get, and if we're going to get the full context here. Turn with me back a couple pages to the first gospel, Matthew chapter 24, and look at verse 32, the lesson of the fig tree. Jesus teaching to his disciples privately, when's this going to happen? What's it going to look like? <clears throat> in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus says in verse 32, Matthew chapter 24, from the fig tree learn its lesson. So all this is fresh, okay? This is only the day before. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all of these things, <clears throat> you know that he, <clears throat> excuse me, that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So what the fig tree is a fit emblem of the nation Israel. It's peculiar in the fact that its fruit appears before its leaves. So when Jesus, in a sense, finds no fruit, okay, in a sense, it's because there's a deception that is revealed. It's a deceptive character that is shown in the fig tree that, in a sense, is a picture for the nation Israel. So what is happening here? Naturally, Jesus sees all the leafy profession of religion around him in the nation of Israel. You would expect with all of the beautiful leaves, with all of the ornate religious practices that were around him, you would expect to see some fruit. But when there's nothing offered, and Jesus is hungry for the fruit of the nation Israel, that's when what? He cursed them for their, and here's the word, hypocrisy. Now we bring it full circle. Now we begin to get somewhere. Now it begins to make sense. What, what is this lesson? Faith in God. Enough to say what? Mountain move. This is not a prayer, okay, that teaches us about prosperity, theology, just pray whatever you want. I want a new car, I want a shiny car, and you can have it. It has nothing to do with that. Okay, people have twisted it. Pray with whatever you want, and God's just going to give you whatever. It has nothing to do with that. 
it's talking about having faith in God and understanding what the forgiveness that has been extended to us from God that offers what that produces fruit, real fruit, not just the signs of it. When Jesus saw all the corruption around him, when Jesus saw something that looks like it ought to be, and there's nothing there, that's why he is so harsh here. He's so hard here. Now, we know that is exactly what happened when it talked about what? It was within a couple of years. It was before this generation, right before them died. It was 8070 when the entire temple was destroyed by the Romans. Israel and the Jewish people have certainly, we know this, have been set aside for a period of time, but it's not forever. When Christ returns, the nation of Israel will be restored to a place of favor. So we understand this. We're like, okay, but yeah, still, what about fig trees and Israel's history? What does that have to do with Big Woods Bible Church? What does that have to do with me sitting here in in a chair in this church this morning? Think about this. The fig tree is a perfect metaphor for Israel. And beyond that, the fig tree is a perfect metaphor for any and all who claim to be God's children but do not bear fruit for his glory. See the connection? Thirdly and finally, we learn faithfulness and forgiveness are directly connected to our fruitfulness. Thirdly and finally, faithfulness and forgiveness are directly connected to our fruitfulness. I honestly believe, I think we can be a lot like this. I think that there is a great, a grave danger that we can be what we can be all leaves, but have no fruit. We can look on the outside pretty good pretty inviting. We can look, what, pretty productive. We can look the part. But yet when you examine and you begin to move away, wait a minute, there's nothing there. There's, there's nothing that is offered. What, what, what do we begin to see here? Faith in God allows, what, the gospel of Jesus. Faith in God allows the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, to produce fruit, knowing there's a holy God, we're sinful men. We put our faith in the work of Jesus that allows us to have a right relationship, be forgiven, to live in heaven for eternity with him. It what That knowledge produces something. How does that, how does that flesh out in our everyday lives? When we offer forgiveness towards others because we know that God has forgiven us, automatically relationships. When we forgive, we are forgiven. What happens? Fruit is produced. Fruit grows. And we know this fruit, we know Galatians chapter, chapter 6, we talk about, the, chapter 5, excuse me, talk about love, joy, peace. No doubt, this is part of the fruit that should be manifested or made known when we are living in obedience, in faith, understanding, forgiveness. But I still think that there's more than that. How do we apply this today to our lives? Number one, have faith in God, trusting Him to do big things. I have a little, I have a little plaque or a, a 
sign, not a sign, a, a picture in my office, and it, and it says two words, pray big. And I don't, I don't pray like, God, just help like, like one person in, in Lock Haven to come to know Jesus. No, I pray that the entire community of Lock Haven would be completely transformed through the gospel. I pray for our whole state, our country, absolute. It's a, just a mess around us. The world is a wreck. God, we pray big. We pray what? For the, for the glory of God to be made known to all of the nations that the good news is extended. Do you realize that you have been recipients as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you possess salvation? God has given you gifts, spiritual gifts. God has given you resources with your time, with your monies. God has has blessed us in so many ways, and we like hold on to it, and we hoard it as opposed to what? Demonstrating living in absolute faith. God, take whatever you want. Take all of me for your glory. Have faith that God will do big things. That produces the fruit that we're, we're talking about, that we're looking for. Secondly, by way of application, we offer forgiveness to others. Knowing that God has forgiven us. We see this all the way. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about what? That we forgive as we've been forgiven. Sometimes it disturbs me. People, people have a hard time of working alongside of one another. That we realize that we're all, we're all imperfect. We, we, we all mess up. We, we all, in a sense, have fallen short that we have to lead with grace, that, that we can, what, we can graciously forgive in someone who has perhaps said something that has offended us or bothered us. Why? Because there's something that we know that ultimately our lives, our sinfulness is completely forgiven and forgotten through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we close this? Search your heart. In a sense, move back some of the leaves that we work really hard to show everyone and, and examine to make sure that your faith in God and your forgiveness from God are producing what Jesus Christ delights in and what he teaches and knows can be a blessing and a benefit to others. What, 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 what an absolute delight to know that what? Our faithfulness and our forgiveness are directly connected to our fruitfulness. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your patience with us. God, I would ask that we would understand that even in intense moments of ministry, you're still doing something. You're still teaching us and telling us the importance of what it means to follow you fully. Forgive us, Lord, when we doubt. Forgive us, Lord, when we uh, um, forget or neglect to forgive others. We thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that is offered from you. Your own son paid the price for our sins and that we can accept that and live producing amazing, amazing fruit for your glory. God, help us to do that and to do that well. We ask this in Jesus' name.